listening to First Church Charlotte. Hello everyone, my name is Nathan. It is a privilege to spend a few moments with you on Wednesday evening. I am the pastor of First Church Charlotte and we love on Wednesday nights to spend some time together focusing our hearts on the word of the Lord. So my subject tonight is overcoming your past, a practical guide. Overcoming your past, a practical guide. Uh, few things have as much power over our present and future as the past we have, we have lived, we have coped with, we have survived. Uh, in fact, there is some schools of philosophy that basically believe that your past is, is the, the entryway to your future. And it has this very large outsized impact upon who you can become. As if to say your present is limited to your past and your future is limited to your present and your past. Now, I'm very sympathetic to this because if we only think in terms of human experience, we would mostly, we would mostly agree with that. Uh, we are all of us the product of what we have experienced, what we have overcome. But it's not as though the past is a set of railroad tracks and we're stuck on those tracks. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, we do have choice. We do have strength of will and character. I have known many, many people who have made profound changes in their life just by deciding uh, enough was enough. But on top of that, we as believers understand that God is with us and we understand that the power of the Spirit of the Lord with us enables radical change from who we used to be to who we are today. Um, I wanna not just speak of overcoming your past in the sense of a spiritual victory. It is a spiritual victory. Um, that is probably what you most commonly hear from religious people, how overcoming your past is a spiritual victory. And although that is profoundly true, and you will hear plenty of that from me in just a few moments, I want to also uh, challenge you to see how you partner with God. Yes, God is the power. He is the one who's gonna give you the power, but he will not do it without your partnership. We partner with God. And so if we're going to think practically, we're going to have to figure out things we can do and combine them with the promises of God in our life. And this will produce real uh, dynamic change, both practically, uh, physically, uh, spiritually. And so the first thing I want you to do is consider the person you have been with empathy. Uh, I am the first to admit that it's so easy for us to despise the person that we have been, um, to, to have contempt upon the person that we have been and to in some manner uh, hate ourselves because of really, really dumb things that we have done in our past and worse, perhaps even evil things we have done in our past. So um, I want you to consider that person who you have been with empathy, with charity, uh, with kindness, but I do not want you to defend that person. Most of us do the opposite. We heap contempt on what we and who we used to be 
but then we defend ourselves and we say, well, I did the best I could. Um, both of those um, paths uh, make our journey harder. On one hand, we have no sympathy for the person we were, no empathy for the person we were, but we're filled with loathing and even hatred for that person. But then we must, because we're stuck with us, we must defend that person. I wanna flip that if at all possible. The reason why I wanna flip it is because if you're stuck in contempt for the person you were, you will think the right path forward is to be cruel to yourself. And yet you have to defend yourself because at the end of the day, we are all of us stuck with ourselves. And so we have empathy for that person, but we do not defend that person. And so we start out by confession. Yes, we've made mistakes. Yes, you've made mistakes. Uh, I've made mistakes. Yes, we have done, done dumb things. Yes, you have and, and I have. And now here comes the challenge of seeing that person with empathy. Why did we do that? The person we were, seeing that person with charity and kindness. Why did we make dumb decisions? Well, uh, you're welcome to your opinion, but we actually have biblical understanding in this issue. And the first understanding you need to have is we were all of us led by desires. We were led by uh, wishes and wants. We are led astray by lusts, desires, wishing and wanting. And here's the thing, a good number of those wishes, wants, desires, and lusts were evil and represent the service of self. Some of them were just the plans and the goals you had at that particular time. So not everything you wanted, the old you wanted, was of its, of its origin evil in the sense of a uh, immoral lust of the flesh. Some of it was just plans and thoughts and, and the like in your life. Um, but the reason why you were the person you were and you made the decisions you made is you were trying to accomplish something. You were trying to have something. Uh, you were trying to experience something. And you had a double way, a double mistake you could make. And, I, and, and just bear with me for a moment here. Um, so you could have wanted something that was evil or you could have wanted something that was just benign. It wasn't good or evil, it was just life, but went about it in an evil way. And so I'm going to ask you to separate the what from the how. So that person, we're trying to see your past, my past with empathy, with kindness. Uh, if we cannot succeed in doing this, then we'll be cruel to ourselves, but we'll be stuck at defending ourselves. Neither one of those is helpful. Um, sec uh, additionally, if we can't have empathy for the person who made those bad decisions, us, um, it's gonna be really hard for us to have empathy, empathy for other people as we see them make decisions. People making decisions are trying to accomplish something. They want something. Uh, we, they, it, it may be an evil desire. It may just be life, but they want something. And the decision they make is they thought that was how to get it. They thought making this set of bad decisions was the way to get something they wanted. They're led astray by their desires. And this is true of all of us. And we need to see that with empathy, compassion, and we need to ask God for understanding 
and spiritual wisdom. And we don't need to rush through that. We need to do it on a regular basis. What was I pursuing? Was the lust itself, the desire itself what was wrong? Or was how I going about it uh, what was wrong? Um, I've seen people live very immoral lives because they, they didn't want to be alone. They wanted to have somebody and they thought the way to get somebody was to uh, go from one immoral relationship to another. What they are doing is wrong, but what they want is not wrong. Does that make sense? I hope so. And I, I'm asking you to receive this in good faith because we're trying to see flawed people uh, with empathy and compassion. Uh, and that includes ourselves. And so I've seen people lie and cheat because what they wanted was to not be poor anymore. <laughs> they they wanted to have, they, they wanted their kids to have nice things and, and they did this. Um, and it wasn't what they wanted was wrong. It was how they went about it, which was, which was wrong. And the reason why we separate that and we take that to God in prayer with asking for understanding is because a lot of the things we think will make us happy are based on a lie. And we made all of those bad decisions pursuing a lie. We thought if we had this, we would be happy, or we had that, we'd be happy, or he liked me, or she liked me, then we'd be happy. And so we did all of these things. It wasn't what we were trying to pursue, it was how we were doing it. And then there are things that are just wrong. It's a lust of the flesh. But we're a Christian person who acts like they don't have lust of the flesh. We all of us have lusts of the flesh and sin lieth at the door. So uh, we, go, we go to God and we say, Lord, I'm giving my past to you. I, I made this decision, I made that decision. What was I looking for, God? What did I think would make me whole? And when you pray that way and you ask of the Lord wisdom, you will find that he is near to you and he answers your prayer request. And again, don't rush through this, take your time. Uh, doing this. Ask yourself these questions. Were those desires or plans that you were pursuing, were they based upon a lie? Did we think something could make us happy that could never actually uh, make us happy? And we ask the Lord repeatedly in prayer until spiritual wisdom is given to us. We separate what we were doing from what we wanted. There is a what and there is a how we go about uh, getting it. And so Having uh, done this, we now have a chance in some way to have empathy on the person we were, but not defend that person and understand that person was trying to solve the needs and the wants of their soul by the solutions the world had offered. One of the reasons why I want you to deal with your past and quit hating on yourself and attacking yourself and heaping contempt upon yourself and the person you used to be, is you were simply trying to solve the problems of the soul with the solutions of the world and of the flesh. There is no way that's going to end well. So let me give you three goals. These are practical things uh, that I, I, I want you to, to understand in order to uh, overcome our past. This is what we can do. And then we have to trust in the promises of God to do what he can do. We cannot cover the sins of the past, but he can. What we can do is biblically pursue the solution of the soul spiritually, not carnally, do you see? 
So we want to do spiritual things in a spiritual way and understand the difference between the flesh and the spirit. So our first goal is going to be to identify, as I've mentioned, wrong desires and wrong methods. This is our past. It may have been that the desire itself was wrong. I just wanted to get down and party. Ah, that's probably not your best life. <laughs> um, so uh, it may have been the desire in itself that was wrong, or it may have been a, the way you went about that, that thing. Uh, you want to identify them and you want to overcome bad desires and bad habits. Habits is the way you tried to solve that problem, solve that desire. You wanna overcome bad lusts, bad habits, uh, and you want to have your heart remade spiritually. And you have to have the presence of God and the wisdom of God in your life in order for this to happen. Now, this process is going to happen daily in your life. What is it gonna be? It's gonna be confession, it's going to be repentance, and it's going to be surrendering your heart, yourself, your soul to God. You're going to daily identify errors of lust in your life. You want something that is not your best life. It's not what God has for you. You want it. You're going to confess it to God. You're going to ask for penance. And you're going to ask that your soul would be surrendered to his way for your life. This is the daily work of denying the self or as the Apostle Paul talked, actually actually mortifying the flesh. Actually, as it were, he uses the image of crucifixion, which is uh, a little strange to us because we don't live in that world, but that flesh, that part of him that wants to bad desires or to, survive, or to solve human desires in a bad way, um, that is being disciplined. It's, it's being forced to surrender to before God every day. So we're asking for strength every day over the lusts of the flesh. We're asking for wisdom over the bad habits of our flesh. That's when, when we try to do something that is just human, but we're going about it in a bad way. And this process, as I've said, will be lived out over and over and over. Romans 12, verse uh, number two. Uh, Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Then he goes on to warn us, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us or given you. Uh, this is what's happening in this daily process. We are identifying wrong desires and bad habits what we want and how we go about getting what we want. A lot of the things you may think are bad desires are not actually bad desires. They're human desires. And unless you can figure out a way to unhuman yourself, you're gonna have those desires. It's not the desire, it's the way in which you're going about satisfying or satiating that, that desire. So we identify our ungodly ways. We do this in prayer as a regular way of serving God. Uh, it can be things like speaking evil or speaking doubt. Uh, this is bad habits from your past experiences. 
and considering your past experiences, speaking doubt, speaking evil, that's probably pretty accurate, but you're not that person anymore. Now you have the promises of God in your life, and so you turn away from that. You can read more in Ephesians 4. Um, you can speak in a way that's full of doubt and criticism and cynicism and negativity. You can, you can, you understand what I'm saying? This is a human thing to do, but that's not the way God wants you to live. He wants you to speak with thanksgiving and praise, worship for God. There's more about that in First Thessalonians chapter number five. So the first thing we do, this first discipline, is to identify the wrong desires and wrong methods of going about uh, satiating or satisfying those desires. So the second practical thing I want you to do is to begin the process of viewing yourself as God views you not as you view you. Uh, remember I mentioned seeing the person you used to be with empathy, um, uh, not with uh, contempt. You were trying to do something. You were trying to be happy. You were trying to have a good life. It's just, you were doing it by the flesh. And it didn't matter. The details after that doesn't matter because all the fleshly roads lead to the same place of sin. So if you feel like you have embarrassed yourself with your bad stuff, stop it already. What I'm trying to say is that's the old you. You were just trying to solve the desires of the soul, the eternal you, by the flesh. Now you could have done it in a pretty way or an ugly way, <laughs> but it's all the same. It's the way of the flesh. View yourself as God views you. And this is how God views me, okay? God knows I'm imperfect. He knew I was imperfect before he loved me. He chose me, imperfect me, before he ever paid for my salvation. He chose me, flawed, imperfect, impatient, me, complicated, flawed, sinful. He chose me, imperfect. He, While I was yet a sinner, he chose me. And he loved me so much that he said, look, I'm going to give you the righteousness you cannot attain. And so he covers me with his righteousness. I have been forgiven so much. It's just ridiculous. It's absurd how much God has forgiven me. My life could have took any many different little roads and down different roads is different specific sins and different particular acts of evil, but it's all me. I'm capable of all that. It's all in there. Ugly things that my, I didn't actually do in my life because I had the advantages of, of structure and parents and church. They were still in there. If my life would have been different, if, my, if I hadn't been raised in the home I had, raised, I had been raised in, or I hadn't grown up with the structure I had, all that sin is still in there. I just didn't, my life didn't go that way. But God loved me, that flawed nature, in my imperfection. Now, he gave me <clears throat> his righteousness as a covering. And so when judgment comes, it doesn't say, oh, Mr. Nate, got problems, gonna bust it wide open. It says, oh my, a perfect lamb of God? How can that be? I'm, this is Nathan we're talking about. And a perfect lamb of God, it's not about Nate, it's about Jesus. And that's what you need to say in, in your life. You need to view you as God views you. Yes, you're imperfect, but he loves you so much. He paid your debt. You have been forgiven so much that love has changed your future. The result of that is now the life you have to live is no longer a plan of personal salvation. It's not being good enough. The law teaches you that's that you're not good enough. It's now worship to God. You are no longer a slave. You are now a child of God. You are a love servant, as it were. I choose to be here. 
And so my life is now worship. <clears throat> it's not about me being saved. It's about my life being worshiped to God. Now, this does not mean that I get to live any way I want to live and I'm covered by Jesus. This is an issue that arose in the first century church. So Paul deals with this in his first letter to the Corinthian church, which um, sometime if you're a serious Bible student, you, you should do some study on the Corinthian church. Um, it'll make you feel better about the flaws in your life. <laughs> and Paul writes to them and he, he basically quotes them. He says, this is uh, chapter six, verse 12. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. Now, what are they saying? They're not just being obtuse, although they are. <laughs> what, what are they saying? They're saying, look, I get this grace message you're, you're, you've been preaching, Paul. I understand. I'm not saved by works. Therefore, I can do what I want to do. Okay, they have understood they're covered by Christ's righteousness, but they have not understood that now the life they have to live is, to, is for Christ. Do you see? They, they saw they're, they're not their own salvation, but what they've missed is the life they have to live is now for Christ. So think of it this way. My life is no longer be good enough. My life is worship. And so I am. I have the same motivation. Well, I have the same calling, but now my motivation is different. It's not about judgment. It's about worship. And this is, this is something that is uh, important for all of us to understand. Paul says, you say, writing to the Corinthian church, I'm allowed to do anything, then Paul says, but not everything's good for you. And even though, quote, I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. Paul says, this is true, although that's gonna be done away with sometime. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us up from the dead by his power, just as he raised up our Lord from the dead. Verse 15, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? No, never. Verse 18, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. God bought you with a high price. So you must honor your honor God with your body. So our uh, our, 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 our challenge is to view ourselves as God views us, to, to see ourselves as our life is unto the Lord. He has purchased us. And the result of that is everything we do is now worship to God. It's now a love story to God, everything we do. And I turn away from sin, not because God's going to get me. I turn away from sin because this life I live is not my own. It is unto the Lord who has purchased me, covered me with his, with his blood. So uh, the first thing I gave you was understand uh, bad desires and bad habits that represent the old you. Uh, secondly, uh, view yourself as God views you. Quit establishing your own value. Um, I think the single most destructive thing I see um, good people do is filled with contempt for their past. And then they say, how could God love me? I shouldn't even try. They try, they fail, shame on me. Yes, shame on me, shame on you, yes. But love says, 
This life I live is not my own. And so you strive again. You pray, Lord, what was I trying to do? Was I just going after something that was evil? Or was I going after something that was human and I was going about it in an evil way? This is an ongoing daily process. And then the last thing I wanna give you is this. Um, this is the third practical step to overcoming your past. Um, if you do not change what you pursue, you will never be free from your past. Um, if I do not change what I'm pursuing in my life, I will never be free from my past. So many people think of Christianity this way. Um, I still am the same person, I just have do-gooder rules now. Um, I'm, I'm still, you know, if before I wanted to be rich, I still want to be rich. Um, now I just I don't let myself, you know, cuss out my employees. They think of Christianity as this rule set. And I, you guys hear me say this a lot because this is the most common, I think, error in the, in the, in the church and in people who otherwise um, would be living a life of purpose. They have made themselves their own purpose and self-perfection limits purpose because ourselves are not our purpose. Um, in fact, the first step of Christianity is to stop that already. Deny the self, take up your cross, spiritual purpose, and follow Jesus. How do you make a broken world whole? So um, if, if we do not change what we pursue, we will never be free from our past. Becoming a Christian is not simply pursuing the same thing. I've always wanted to be rich. I just can't cuss my employees out. No. I've always wanted to have a fancy car. I just not going to rob a bank to do it. Christianity is just a set of rules. No, if you do not change what you pursue, you will never overcome your past. So I can never let a day go by without reminding myself that I'm pursuing a prize that is in Christ Jesus. It's not reflected by the things of this world. It's not reflected by career. It's not reflected by how much money is in the bank. It's not reflected by how much acclaim or popularity or fame I have. I am pursuing something different. I am not simply pursuing the things of the world, same desires of the world. I just have a few more rules to keep myself in line. No. Let me read Philippians 3, verse number 17, or verse number 7. I once thought these things were valuable. Paul, what are you talking about? He's talking about the things he used to want. He talks about his tradition talks about his educational accomplishment, his social standing. I used to think these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain, I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. All right, so your past is your old you, the stuff you used to want, the life you used to think would make you happy. Your new life is in Christ Jesus. But if you try to pursue the same things you pursued before, the same desires, same wishes, but just add some Christian rules, that's not, that's, that you will have missed what it means to be a Jesus follower. I am pursuing something different now. I'm not just pursuing 
the things I used to pursue. So let me say it this way. Your best life is not in your past desires. Your best life is not in your past methods. Wanting someone from your past to treat you right now can't compare with God treating you right for all eternity. <laughs> Consumed with wishing things in your past had been different cannot compare with what God can begin in you today and give to you for all eternity. Paul writes to the Colossians chapter three, verse number one, you have been raised to new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. You died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. This pursuit is what lets our past fade away. We don't even identify with that. It loses its power over us. We understand at that time we wanted this, this, and this because that's, that's the way of the flesh. Everybody wants to be you know, rich, and everybody wants to have a six-pack set of abs, and everybody wants to be beautiful, and everybody wants to be powerful. That's the old. That's the old. That's not what I'm going for. My life is in Christ. Now, the moment you do that, you change what your life consists of, what I think will make me happy, and the methods I go about pursuing what I think will make me happy. When you do that, dearly beloved, <laughs> your past will fade away. It loses its power over you. Your past only has power over you when you identify in your wishes with the, the same things that person you used to be wished and wanted for. Now it has power over you. We must let go of with our, op, our preoccupation with past accomplishments, past rewards, past experiences, and pursue the hope of new life eternal purpose, fellowship, place with God. And until we run that race set before us by God and pursue that which is ahead of us rather than that which is behind us, there will always be the reality of the past controlling the present and limiting the future. So real practical, real practical. Number one, have sympathy on that person you used to be. Try to understand what that person wanted and how they went about getting it. You will, have to, you will have to pray about this. You'll have to seek wisdom of God. He will help you see. He will help you, oh, you understand. Uh, having this, this will be a, a process. Let me just, I'll get to that at the end. So secondly, begin to view yourself how God views you. He died for you. He saved you. Your life can now be in him and your life can be worship. You can now choose to do things as an act of love. I do it as an act of worship. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm seeking. And uh, thirdly, I change what I think will make me happy. I'm seeking life in Christ now. I, I don't. I may or may not have this, that, or I may or may not achieve this or that. that all, that's all fine in this place, but that's not what my real life consists of. My real life is in Christ Jesus. And I am seeking to know and serve and follow him. Now, these three things that I, I've mentioned uh, are very, very important. And you're going to have to go through them on a daily act of discipline 
And you're going to do it by confession, repentance, surrender. Confession, repentance, surrender. My best life is in you, O God. Surrender. If you don't want me to have that, I'm fine with not having it. Surrender. I, my flesh thinks that will make me happy, but I'm not accepting that. I'm surrendering to you what you say will make me happy. This happens every day, every day, every day. And here is the disturbing, challenging reality. If I'm not doing that every day, I am slipping back to the person I used to be, the things I used to think would make me happy, the life I used to think I wanted, because it is the nature of the flesh. Okay, I guess that's enough. I have some more stuff, but we'll stop there. I love you, I appreciate you. Uh, we kicked off first, uh, we kicked off small groups. Uh, we want you to be a part of that, the life, the horizontal, um, spiritual embraced life of our church. Uh, there's a directory on the website. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.